The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in. Here we are, another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew. You're looking a few pounds heavier, Betts. It is the day after Thanksgiving. I'm, a, I'm not going to lie, Kyle. I feel a little sluggish today. Uh, I did need an extra cup of coffee to get going. And, um, you know, someone once said on a podcast this week, if Mac Jones beats me, he beats me. <sighs> Mac Jones beat me. <laughs> I mean, who saw that coming last night in primetime? Kirk Cousins and Mac Jones turning into a back-and-forth affair. But uh, a fun slate. Hopefully our listeners had some success. For me personally, not the best slate. Basically came out even, but a great day. Lots of food, lots of family, friends, and football. So what could go wrong? I had a huge win last night. I didn't even tell you. Did you really? Yeah, I beat my family in a game of Catan. I felt really great oh. about it. <laughs> well, that's what really matters. Yeah, and then I woke up this morning and got beat uh, by my son in bingo and uh, and sorry, the board game. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. And we did have a True couple that. of listeners that I saw do really well. And it was mostly from, they had Isaiah McKenzie in their lineup. And I remember, same thing, like you you think back to your Mac Jones words. I remember saying like, oh, McKenzie, he goosed last week. Uh, I'm probably not going there at all. And of course, like he was one of the key pieces. Him and your boy, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, I'm assuming Nelson Aguilar was not in any of your lineups. Uh, I played him. I did, I did some showdown last night. I played him in one of those, but it wasn't enough. I didn't have the right pieces around him to get anything done. But um, yeah, I mean, the Jacoby Myers injury obviously helped the situation a little bit from a playing time perspective, routes run and all that. But um, yeah, I know the matchup was there, obviously, against Minnesota. And I think one thing to take away from this for small slates in the future, obviously, we don't have many of those moving forward for the regular season. But when we talk about playoffs, when it's only, you know, three or four or two games 
like you invite more chaos and that's kind of what happens in showdown so on these smaller slates if you can find those guys that are going to be 15 10 you know eight percent rostered um that really is a way to maximize your upside in gpps the losses will be there if you play those guys and they miss but when they hit as we saw yesterday it can be very very profitable you and I are recording this Friday morning, so this is coming out a little bit later. One, because it's a hectic week. Two, I'm recording in Atlanta, and we got to get it to our editors back in uh, back in Phoenix. So, you know, it's it's kind of a sprint for us to go from Thanksgiving to the main slate. And usually, we would do a Tuesday podcast to prepare the people. We'd have a couple articles, then we'd have our podcast that comes out on Friday. And I feel a little behind the eight ball, but I think everyone else does too. So anybody that says they're super prepared for the main slate and know everything that's going on, they're lying because everybody was focusing on Thanksgiving. So any quick slate context we want to give people just to turn their gaze from Thanksgiving to 11 games that we have on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it. It does feel like you're behind the eight ball a little bit, but the good news is a lot of people we're going to be playing against in these contests do as well, right? Like we have post-Thanksgiving uh, family activity still going on. People are traveling this weekend, so uh, I love this slate. From a you know, let's let's Kyle, let's lace them up. You know, put the the chin strap on and uh, really make sure we're dialed in. And I think our listeners and people in the DFS pass that really are plugged in are going to have some success this week because, like I said, people are scrambling. You know, you still got stuff going on over the weekend. But yes, it is time to turn the page. Very different slate context this week, and you know, we're going to talk about all that today on the show. Interesting slate from a totals perspective, Kyle. Not. A single game over 50 and the couple that are you know teams that we love the Dolphins the Chiefs massive blowout risk so we'll talk about that today on the show yeah I'm I think that there's some really good cash plays like I'm actually excited to talk about our cash lineups to talk about how you can construct those I think there's some really great plays there's some good value on the slate where I you know I made my cash lineup the other day and then I kind of retooled it and I was like wow I'm, I'm jamming in about four or five plays that I love on this slate, I think there's going to be a defense that everybody likes. About, likes, So we'll talk about that. And you can get all of our picks in the DFS Pass. If you want to go to DFSPass.com, we run through the playoffs. If you use the promo code DFSPod, you can save some money. But the cash picks is what the people are here for. Straight cash, homie. You and I are in step almost every week about the quarterbacks. I think that's something that's that just happens in a good relationship. You know, you just, you're, you're, you're locked in and you know what the other person is thinking. And I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking Joe Burrow. Yeah, he looks great in this spot. You know, 6.7K on DraftKings is a really nice price tag for a guy that we know has massive upside. We just saw it last week. We've been getting some positive reports on Jamar Chase for his hip, which, you know, we'll talk about um, T Higgins here in a second. We don't know specifically yet. We're recording this Friday morning if Chase will play. For me personally, I don't think I'll go to Chase. Just I'm not sure he'll be 100%. But the fact that he's in the lineup, I think, is going to be good news for Joe Burrow. But even if Jamar Chase is out, I'm still very comfortable leaning into Joe Burrow here in this spot against Tennessee. We know they're elite against the run. It looks like Joe Mixon is going to be out. And so those two factors, you could tell yourself a story like, hey, Zach Taylor probably goes very pass-centric in this spot. And oh, by the way, Christian Fulton's still on the injury report this week it is a pass funnel defense and joe burrow could absolutely go off here so i love him i think the 300 yard bonus is very much in play on DraftKings. i'm i'm preparing as if chase isn't going to play i know we got some news on wednesday from burrow but I, i'm preparing as if chase is going to be on limited snaps or not even play at all and they just threw that out there so i think that at the end of the day burrow projects great with or without 
Uh, and I also like T. Higgins, just to throw it out there at wide receiver. That's the thing, too, for, for Burrow is like what we're talking about right now, his projection can only get better, right? If Jamar Chase plays. Yep. Uh, if you want to pay up for Mahomes, I say go for it. Like the dude is averaging 326 and 2.8 passing touchdowns. And we'll talk about that game in a second because it is a crazy onslaught that you can set up against the Rams. Not a game that I think you and I would say before the season, like, oh, the Rams are going to be 15 plus point. I mean, the, the Chiefs are going to be 15 plus point favorites. It is moved in a large way. So we'll talk about that game. But if you want to pay up for Mahomes, it's fine. And then I'll just throw out between Geno Smith and Tom Brady. Those are the cheapies this week. Are you interested in cash? I think Gino is in play. Uh, the Raiders, we know the matchup is just awesome. We'll talk about that game stack here in a minute. Um, Gino basically comes out and we kind of know what we're getting. Like you're getting around 250 with some upside for more through the air. And then, you know, two touchdowns is kind of what he's been doing each week. So for cash games, that's very solid. Uh, the issue is we'll talk about Ken Walker here in a second. I absolutely love him in this spot. But, you know, the price tag is great. He's 6K. I'm going to have some exposure in that game, whether it's via cash or game stack. But right now, I lean Joe Burrow. I'm going to try to find the money to get up to him. And then it's Tom, you know, Tom Brady. 5,800 is an insane price tag for him on DraftKings. I know the touchdowns haven't been there, but he's still attempting a ton of passes. He still has his, you know, elite playmakers. Chris Goblin, even healthier coming out of the bye is great news. The issue is there's a little bit of concern for weather as of this recording. So we'll have to see what happens over the weekend. Some rain and wind projected in Cleveland. And again, we'll talk about the running back in a second. Rashad White, to me, would be a lock if Leonard Fournette doesn't play. And so for that situation, like if it's no Lenny and it is um, Rashad White alone, I'm playing Rashad White and probably not playing Tom Brady in that case. Speaking of Rashad White, so he's 5.1. And then I know that your boy Latavius Murray, or as it autocorrects sometimes in the phone, Laxatives Murray, uh, at 5K is going to be super popular. People want to play a running back, a starting running back at 5K. I find myself going away from that because of the game total. It's at 35 and a half or it's at 36. Uh, and uh, Broncos, Th- those are my reasons. Am I dumb for that? <laughs> what is? What have you seen this year, Kyle, that makes you concerned about the Broncos? I mean, come on. Uh, no, it makes sense. Like He's the classic projectable volume, cheap running back that makes sense in cash, but very easy to tell yourself a story where it goes wrong for GPPs. So for me, an, an easy fade, if he is going to be popular in tournaments, I'm okay with it in cash. If you're making me pick one of these two guys, though, you know, Rashad White, if Leonard Fournette is out at 5.1 versus Latavius Murray, who we know is going to be the starter, 10 times out of 10 for me, it's Rashad White, given his role in the passing game against Cleveland, absolute run funnel defense. So I'm okay with it, just not over the moon about it. And I personally... Let's say let Fournette's out. I won't be playing both in cash, and I think I can see people doing that. Like, oh, I, I got two cheap running backs. They'll throw in maybe an Austin Eckler or somebody else really expensive. Um, I think there's enough value on the slate that you don't have to jam in you know, both of those cheap running backs. So we like White a little bit more. I love Eckler, but Ken Walker at 6.9 and Jeff Wilson at 5.9 both feel like priorities if Raheem Mostert is out. And I know he's missed some practice. So any update on him? Yeah, he's missed Wednesday and yesterday on Thanksgiving, DNP both days, which, you know, some people might just say like, oh, Raheem Mostert, he's always on the injury report, no big deal. I went back to look at what the practice statuses were for him before the bye week this past week. So in weeks nine and week 10, he was listed, but it was all like veteran rest. Right now he's listed with a knee issue. Remember, he had that surgery last year, so I'm not sure if it's related or not. He is a massive uh, you know, point on this slate because if there is no Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson is going to get a ton of work in the best matchup possible against Houston. So again, he would look 
like a priority at 5,900 on DraftKings. Uh, very, very good spot here. Home favorites of last time I looked, it was 14 points for Miami. So very good for Jeff Wilson. And then, you know, the other one for me, just looking at kind of the landscape at running back, um, I, I'm not as excited about Ken Walker relative to these price tags. That said, I love Ken Walker for where he's at relative to the other backs. So for me, it's like if I'm prioritizing these guys, Rashad White, if no Leonard Fournette, Jeff Wilson, if no Raheem Mostert, then for me, Ken Walker in this spot against uh, Las Vegas, getting a ton of work, home favorites. Again, it, it makes a lot of sense. I'll throw out two more names. Josh Jacobs at 7.7. I know you're probably not playing two running backs in the same game, but if you're not playing Ken Walker, I like Josh Jacobs. And then I just want to throw out the price for Michael Carter. I don't think I'll play him in cash, but at 5.4, you know, the narrative is last year he went bananas as the RB1 with Mike White. Uh, they might not need to play with the same up tempo they did last year when they came back and they beat the Bengals, which was fun. Uh, but 5.4, I think he should see some good work, and that's cheap enough. And he presents a good GPP pivot of other running backs like Latavius, like Rashad White at that price point if you want to go that direction. Um, and then on FanDuel, Alvin Kamara and Jeff Wilson both stand out from a points per dollar perspective, but Kamara also was dealing with some practice stuff. It was questionable. So just keep that in mind. Um, you can look at all of our projections in the DFS pass and you get points per dollar projections that I think help when you think about the salary. I probably could name eight receivers. I like this week. And normally we don't love a ton of receivers. Like there's usually three or four guys. It feels pretty condensed, but I, I don't know. I think I can go in a bunch of different directions. I mentioned T. Higgins earlier at 6.9. We always mention T. Higgins. Chris Godwin at 6K. Your boy Terry McLaurin at 5.8. Like, you can jam in all of those guys, and they all have pretty projectable, you know, 25-plus percent target shares that I want. Yeah, this slate is incredible from a salary standpoint for these guys and matchup. Like, they're all in dream spots. You talk about, well, let's start at the top. Tyree Kill. Should be in your cash game pool every week. We just talked about Jeff Wilson. I'm not sure if I'll play both, but just a guy that can break the slate against Houston, who is still going to be down. It looks like Derek Stingley Jr., not that it matters for Tyree Kill, but they're dead last in DVOA against wide receiver ones. PPR has just been insane. Um, Devontae Adams, seeing basically 15 targets per game since he kind of had the squeaky wheel narrative in a great game script. He's going to see a lot of uh, the Seahawks rookie Treak Woolen in, in coverage. So... I mean, he could just go bonkers. And then we talked about T. Higgins. Chris Goblin's in a great spot. But the guy that I came in here, the first wide receiver I wanted to put in my cash lineup this week was Terry McLaurin. Just, you know, 5.8 for a guy who's going up against Atlanta. Dead last in schedule adjusted fantasy points at the position. And we know with Terry McLaurin and Taylor Heineke, he's going to see 30-ish percent of the targets in an absolute dream matchup. So for me, he is the priority wide receiver play this week. A couple of cheap guys I want to mention uh, Garrett Wilson at 4.3, Traylon Burks 4.2. They feel fragile as rookies, but their price tags have just gone down. Like Garrett Wilson was 4,900 last week, and I thought that was cheap. 4,300 feels way cheaper. So, do you like either of those rookies this week if you want to play them in cash? Yeah, I like uh, Garrett Wilson a lot. I mean, you talk about the issues with Zach Wilson, they are very well documented at this point. And so, no matter who is playing, we know it's Mike White, but regardless of who it was going to be, it's an upgrade on what he was seeing from a target perspective, uh, from a quality standpoint of targets. Talk about the Chicago Bears. We all know about them from their run defense being struggling. 
actually in the last month, they've been way more of a pass funnel defense than people realize. And their best playmaker, in my opinion, in the secondary, Jaquan Brisker, is in concussion protocol. So their secondary looks even worse going into this game. Garrett Wilson at 4.3 could very, very easily 3x on that tag. So I love him this week. Was that just a chance for you to shout out Brisker because you went to Penn State? Maybe. I'm also maybe going to the game tomorrow. Just saying. Who are they playing? Michigan State. It should get. It should, it should be ugly. Yeah. I feel like I, I, I appreciate like fall Big Ten games. I, I get they're a big deal. But compared to the SEC, it just feels still like a joke. Okay, buddy. No. I just it, it's <laughs> one thing say? I can it's one thing I can hold over you, you know. Just it's good. It's great. No, it's good football. It's different. It's different. This is you know your your grandpa would be proud of it. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, any other cheap names that you want to throw out there? Like Greg Dortch is showing up in a lot of optimals, but he's not been practicing, uh, so you can't really go there right now. I think this is one of those slates where you can get somebody in the eight K range. And then maybe a five or six. And then even, you know, you, you can basically jam three guys in your lineup, I think, this week. So I don't think you have to go too cheap. I don't think you have to go below 4K if you want to punt because we're probably punting tight end again, right? Seems that way. Yeah, I mean, Foster Moreau kind of seems like the dude. You just know what you're getting, right? Like, he played uh, 100% of the snaps last week. Over the last five, he's playing 98% of the snaps. He's got the fifth most routes among the position in that sample since he's been the starter. You know, Darren Waller's still on IR. You kind of know what you're getting. You're getting somewhere in the range of like three to four catches probably for about 40 to 50 yards, and hopefully he scores. So he's like an easy fade in GPPs, but the matchup is incredible against Seattle. Uh, we know they it's them and the Cardinals that you play your tight ends against. Uh, they are currently 29th in DVOA against pass-catching tight ends. I want to pay up for Kelsey somewhere, but I'm finding myself 7.7 on DraftKings, 8.2 on FanDuel I'm fine with against the Rams. I think it's just cost prohibitive when I look at it. But so, yeah, Foster Moreau is basically our guy. Um, I mean, you can go in other directions if you want to go a little bit lower. Like if you think, man, Tyler Higby is going to get a bunch of, you know, empty targets. But I think you and I just, we like staying where we're at with Moreau. We know what we're getting. And if we get anything more than like five points, we're like excited. Yeah. Uh, he feels like, you know, he'll never give you more than 12. He'll never give you less than like two. So, so you kind of know what you're getting, but for me, like that's, that's the exact kind of player I don't want to play in a tournament, but for cash makes a lot of sense at defense. Everybody is going to be playing the chiefs. They're 14 point home favorites. Is it 15 now? It's 15 as of this morning. Okay. Yeah. At, they're just mispriced because they were priced in with Matthew Stafford, but we're getting your boy Bryce Perkins. So, uh, yeah, this will be really easy. Play the Chiefs. I'm not really going anywhere else. Yeah, they're the play in cash. You know, we talk about the volatility associated with defenses in, in fantasy from a uh, the field is overconfident in how they're going to project. That's more of a tournament conversation. So I think I'll look to get off of them in tournaments. But the Rams offensive line is a mess. Uh, they're down Cooper Cup. They're on their third string quarterback. It, it just makes sense. I think you just play them and you move on. If you want to get a little different, I'll throw out the Jets at 3.3 at home. They've been awesome. And the Jaguars, I know they play the Ravens, but at 2.5, they're a little bit lower if you want to go that direction. But we have four games we're going to get into. Let's talk about it. Stack attack. Would you call this one a game or is this kind of like a, hey, the varsity team is here just to put the JV team in their place? 
Yeah, it could get pretty ugly. We're talking about the Texans and the Dolphins. The Texans going on the road with Kyle Allen under center. Uh, they have not scored more than 17 points in the last month. And the Dolphins are coming out of their bye week. So, you know, Miami's 30 and a half team total is by far the highest on the slate. I think you want a Dolphin in cash, whether it's if you love just Jeff Wilson or Tyreek or Waddle, they're all in incredible spots. The tricky thing is, how do you talk about this from a game stack perspective? Because I think the most likely player that people want to play is Damian Pierce based off his previous success this season. But as we saw last week, uh, when they took on the commanders and got in a negative game script, it got ugly real quick for Damian Pierce. And, you know, now they're on the road as two touchdown underdogs. To me, I don't think you can go to Damian Pierce in this spot. Miami's defense is a pass funnel. So are you playing Damian Pierce at all if you're playing like a, a Dolphins stack? Come on, you know me. You you know yeah, one player. This goes back to August. <laughs> and I know Damian Pierce had a good run, but you've seen the last couple of weeks, this isn't just to hate on him. It's just any running back that's put in a position where they're not scoring, right? He hasn't scored since week five. And he's not going to get more than, what, three or four receptions. Like, how is he going to get to a place that actually helps you in GPPs? The only way is that if they jump out to a lead and they ride him and he ends up like 24 for, you know, 80 and he ends up, you know, scoring at least one touchdown. Like, that's fine. I just can't see him get there in a GPP and be one of those players. I think Mike McDaniel is low-key a bully. Like, that's what he's going to end up doing here. I don't think the Dolphins are just going to sit on lead. I think they're going to put up 40. Yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. And that's why I was saying, like, I think you want a Dolphin in cash no matter what. Um, are you playing? So let's say Jeff Wilson is the dude. Raheem Mostert is out. He's clearly, like, I think the priority in cash, like we said. I mean, Houston. The most rushing yards, the most fantasy points, it's a no-brainer. But does that make two a double stacks interesting leverage in tournaments is my question. Yes, the double stacks are definitely interesting. Paying up for that is not easy. 8,800 for Tyreek Hill. And Jalen Waddle, you know, 7,300 looks like it's a big step down. But when you really kind of scroll through these different players, like he's ends up being like wide receiver seven on the slate. So you're paying up for two guys that have to hit a massive combined ceiling. Like I, if you did Tua, Tyreek and Waddle in a GPP, like if you're getting anything, anything less than 80 points, you're doing it wrong. And I'd be willing to say that the touchdowns go elsewhere. Like you get a random Gesicki touchdown or, you know, Wilson does get two of them. So I think the field will want to play more to a double stacks. And so my contrarian nature says I would either want a single stack or, um, you know, throw in Wilson. Like, I don't mind throwing in Wilson if he's chalk because I think this is the matchup for it. So if you want to do Tua, Wilson, and then pick one of the Dolphins receivers, that's fine. I won't be going Damian Pierce. I'll probably be looking at Nico Collins. Yeah, if you want to bring back, which I don't think you need one, personally. Right. I could see it. Like, in, in on FanDuel, I have a tough time with the Texans just given the low team total and how bad they've been scoring. But when you talk about can a, a bring back option at the wide receiver position get there in a negative game script just based off receiving work, getting receptions and yards and PPR. That makes sense to me. If you're making me pick one, I know Brandon Cook's price tag looks pretty good. You know, 5,200 is a guy that if he, if he was there at the beginning of the year, we'd be like, oh my gosh, you got to play Brandon Cooks. But the trend has not been great for Nico Collins, however, 4,100 hasn't pretty good. The last two weeks, 82% of the snaps and 10 and seven targets in those game. We already talked about Miami's defense really is a pass funnel. So the quarterback play is a concern. But he could come out and give you, you know, six, seven catches for 
around 80 to 90 yards and like at 4.1 that might work for gpp so i think nico collins to me is the only texan in my player pool this week what could go wrong if you're not stacking with tua is this one of those games where you want to have a dolphin in your lineup like are you remember a couple weeks ago you and i were terrified to not have a dolphin yeah i think so and i think truthfully jeff wilson if he is a standalone guy is good chalk i mean you talk about the matchup matchup everyone smashes against houston and let's say there is no Raheem Mostert, what's the floor on touches for him? 18, 19, 20, something like that. So yeah, Jeff Wilson to me at 5,900 uh, on DraftKings, 7,700 on FanDuel. It, I'm okay to play into the roster percentage and we don't have it ready yet for now. It'll be in the DFS pass, but like if he's 25, 30%, I, I'm still probably okay to, to play into that, especially in the smaller field stuff that I play into. Yeah, I'm, I normally like to fade that type of chalk, but I think he's good chalk this week. Give me your Vegas pick. Man, this is a lot of points to lay. 14, but I could see I could see like a, a three touchdown win for the Dolphins. So call me a square. I'm going to lay it. I know it is the most like fish move ever to basically look at this and go, oh, Dolphins. I'll take the Dolphins minus 14. I'll do it. Kyle Allen is somebody that you can bet against time and time again. All right, let's pause. Take a quick break. And we'll come right back. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Okay, we're back, and we're going to talk about two teams that, I don't know, do you feel like they have like underachieved to the max this year? It's the Los Angeles Chargers at the Arizona Cardinals, and just, just so you know, what I'm rooting for in this game is bets. One more loss for the Cardinals, and I get to break out the champagne. Let's go, man. Let's go, Chargers. Yeah, well, I'm with you on that. We both made that bet, so if this if this game goes as Vegas you know projects, they are four-and-a-half-point dogs. We could be we could be cashing a ticket early. Dude, who who would have thought week twelve we'd be saying, hey, the Cardinals already hit their under. That's I mean, I'm just saying. There's one thing I that thought I it would go to at least season. like week fourteen or week fifteen. I looked at their schedule a while back, I was like, okay, so they need to win like, I don't know, three out of the last whatever, and it slowly kept going down. I was like, Oh, they have to win out. They have to win out the rest <laughs> of the year in order to hit their win total of ten. It's not gonna happen. So um we like both of these teams because their defense has not been great. They're usually pace up, but we also know that, you know, Arizona's a bunch of fake sharps. Like, they're mailing it in. I think it's pretty simple. I think that the field is not going to want to play Herbert because they haven't seen it. So, double stacking Herbert and bringing back with the Cardinal, I think, can be sneaky in a game that we, you know, it's right there, 47 and a half. I think it's a fine total. Um, and I think people are waiting to see it from Herbert. So I think you can get ahead of the field in this one. Yeah, I mean, maybe. We saw him on primetime against the Chiefs. There was a, a really fun back-and-forth affair with him and Mahomes. So I don't know that people haven't seen it, but if the field is not going to play it, like, yes, I'm going to be overweight the field on Justin Herbert double stacks because 
This is a great spot against the Cardinals. Uh, they are allowing the third most points per snap, and the Chargers are up in pace. They're number one in neutral pace on the season. So you have a ton of play volume back and forth, and we think Kyler Murray is back under center. So presumably things look better for the Cardinals. And oh, by the way, Marquise Brown could be back in the lineup. So I think just in general, you get these playmakers back in. It helps elevate the overall ceiling of the game. We know Mike Williams is going to be out with the high ankle sprain aggravation. But Keenan Allen is back. Josh Palmer looks great. And those guys are super affordable. So you can go Justin Herbert on both sides, 7K on, on DK, 7.9 on FanDuel. And then Keenan Allen is affordable on both sites as well. Same thing with Josh Palmer. So like if you're looking on DraftKings, 7K quarterback, 6.1, 5.4. And if you wanted to throw in Gerald Everett, uh, oh, by the way, the Cardinals against tight ends, uh, 4,400. This stack is so affordable. So we'll see what the field wants to do. But I think my early lean as of Friday is like this is a priority to me on the slate. Dude, you are talking, I don't know, pretty dirty to me when you're talking about Keenan Allen at 6.1. I mean, it's... We haven't we haven't had our guy all year, man. This is it. I mean, it's it's early in the morning, the day after Thanksgiving, and I, I, I mean, I am moved right now. I think the field <laughs> will not be playing Justin Herbert as much as they should be. One, because Joe Burrow is right there in terms of price point on DraftKings, 6.9. So right below him, I can see Herbert getting around maybe 5%, which is not enough for his upside. Like if he finishes the QB two or three, that shouldn't shock anyone on this slate. And you can double stack on the Cardinals side. You know, it's hard to fully go into anybody other than DeAndre Hopkins. Hollywood Brown, the price is juicy, but I, I, I can't see him. I mean, we still have to wait for practice reports and their status, but like, uh, that's hard for me to go in right now when they have a bye week coming up. Uh, yeah, it's just Connor and Hopkins for me. Yeah, Browns, he's tricky, right? Because just from like an injury perspective, he's still a little bit early in terms of the optimal healing timeline for the foot. That said, he's been looking pretty good from what I've seen in practice and warm-ups last week. So, you know, he's a guy that I think I'll let the field dictate how I handle him. If the field just assumes he's fine, good to go at a cheap salary, I will be looking to fade that. But if no one's going to play him, I think you can put him in your player pool for stacking purposes the wide receiver room is just insanely thin right like greg dorch we talked about uh with the thumb issue dnp wednesday and thursday rondell moore is not going to play i don't think with the groin issue same thing he was dnp early in the week so i mean if there's no marquise brown and there's no those two guys like down hopkins is going to see a 30 percent target share and he would make a lot of sense as the bring back here for sure uh james connor though right like everyone knows the story the chargers their run funnel they're dead last in, in uh, yards per carry to running backs i I know that he should be the play, but I have serious concerns about the ceiling for James Conner. Are you in on him in this spot? I'm in on tournaments. Like he's definitely cheap enough, especially on FanDuel, where his skill set is, you know, touchdown dude. Um, I at seven thousand, that's fine. I wrote him up as a GPP play because I think Eckler is going to carry much more of the roster percentage. You know, on DraftKings, where you know, dude's getting eight plus targets a game. So. I like him as contrarian play. I think that he on DraftKings he will show up for a lot of people as like, oh, he's a cheaper bring back than Hopkins. Um, but I love paying up for Hopkins here. Like you said, the Chargers side is cheap enough where if you're game stacking this, so you're double stacking with Herbert and you're bringing back with Hopkins, like you're still fine on salary where you can get chalky to other places. I don't think Hopkins will be steamed up as much as some of these other, like the Dolphins guys or Devontae Adams, like he's going to be behind them. So I like Hopkins. I, you know, I haven't looked at our roster percentage report, but I think he's going to be 10% or less. Like, I don't think he's going to be crazy uh, popular this week. So 
any other thoughts on this game? Uh, no, I think we hit on most of it. I just want to point out one other thing injury-related that I didn't mention with the Chargers side. Even better for the stack that we already love. Uh, Byron Murphy still not practicing this week. He was out last week. Yeah, the Arizona cornerback who's had a really good year overall. Yeah. I will take the Chargers and the points on the road. Same for me. What's weird is like th- this sets up so well for them. Chargers have been awesome on the road against the spread. I think they're five and zero, and then uh, the Cardinals are uh, the worst at home. They just never show up at home. So this sets up really well. Next game, I think this might be one of the most popular games to stack this week. It's the Las Vegas Raiders at the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks are three and a half point home favorites. The over under is at forty seven and a half. It just sets up well. The Raiders terrible defense. They're 28th in total yards allowed. And Seattle, they have big plays. They've scored a league-high 13 touchdowns from outside of the red zone. So I can't stack Derek Carr. I looked this up. It's been almost 700-plus days since he's had a three-touchdown game. So two and a half years. This will probably be the week, right, where he breaks that because I said it. But <laughs> That's how this works. I, I It's just like the Raiders' side feels so simple. Like Foster Moreau is going to be the cheap cash tight end. He seems like a fade in tournaments. Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, great in tournaments. You pay up for them. And then people are stacking on the Seattle side with Geno. Like, it's not a complicated game. No, I mean, especially we just talked about the Chargers being affordable. Like, Geno Smith is 6K, and his guys, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, are 6,500 and 6,200, respectively. So you can fit that pretty easily. And then, like you said, you know where the ball is going on the other side. Devonta Adams has been a target monster. Great matchup. And then Josh Jacobs, incredible matchup with one of the best workloads in the NFL. He's the only running back to log a carry last week. So, yeah, this looks uh, very easy. I could also see myself, if I wanted to stack other games, just saying, okay, like let me pick one or two pieces in this game. You know, Maybe go uh, Ken Walker and Devonta Adams or Metcalf and Josh Jacobs or something along those lines. But I think the bottom line is like you want access to this game. You know, it's got one of the highest totals. Uh, we know that both offenses have a ceiling relative to other teams on the slate, and the spread is pretty close. So you can tell yourself a story where it is very close and back and forth. So I love it. I also love it for the late swap availability in this game. We'll see what the roster percentages say, but this is in the late window, and so I think you just keep this your your this game at the top of your list. You say, okay, if I need to get off the board and switch it up late in the in the slate, you look at these players in this game. I love that the Seattle wide receivers every single week present, you know, they present an issue when you're stacking because they end up cannibalizing each other. So would you double stack and and get off that Ken Walker chalk and go Gino, DK Metcalf and Lockett and then bring it back with either Jacobs or or Adams? Yeah, I think if I'm playing a Gino stack for me, it is a double stack. It's pretty clean. Like the tight ends are kind of involved, but, you know, the ceiling only really comes from Metcalf and Lockett. And because they're so affordable... I like to play into the double stack. If one of these guys was like 7,500 and the other one was like 68, then it's tougher to fit and it's tougher to hit the ceiling, which is what we've been saying about the Tua stuff. Like if they were just, you know, not considering price, it's incredible. But the more that you have to pay up for the quarterback, wide receiver and wide receiver two, they have to do more. And at this, you know, price tag for these guys, um, I'm very interested in the, in the double. I think I just talked myself into liking Derek Carr. I, I like <laughs> what a turn of events <laughs> I went from trashing the dude to I think it sets up well for him well if they need to come back uh and then yeah you can double stack him so I don't know I like I just I guess what I'm trying to say is I like the over in this game 
I like, I think that Seattle, they've been good. They've only faced two teams with a winning record. So part of the record is kind of empty and hollow, but also, you know, you think about the NFC West, who they played, the Cardinals, the Rams, they haven't been good either. So I think the Raiders can put up some fight here, uh, but my stance is the over. What a turn of events. Derek Carr went from the worst play on the slate to one of the best, in Kyle's <laughs> opinion. So uh, love it. Yes, I also like the over in this one for sure. I think we're going to see some points. All right, last one we're going to talk about is the Los Angeles Rams at the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, Kansas City minus 15 and a half. I looked this up. This is the third largest spread of the Patrick Mahomes era. Who could forget in 2018 when they were 16 and a half point favorites against Betts' best friend, Josh Rosen. And then in 2020, I remember this very clearly because we covered this on this podcast. It was against the Jets. And Sam Darnold, what if I told you they were 20-point favorites? I remember that game. And I think some people want some GPPs with, like, Braxton Berrios bringbacks just because they had to throw so much to try to keep up. And he had, like, 10 catches and 100 yards or something like that at, like, 3.4K. So, yes, I remember that game. I, I think Denzel Mims was, like, the chalk of, like, who the bringback was, but he wasn't the play. They won 35-9. to So, uh, you know, they covered. They covered the spread. Uh, do you think they'll cover it in this one? You know, 15 and a half is a lot, but have we seen a team total as low as 13 this year? I I don't know that I'm not looking this up, but just writing this up in the DFS pass each week for the Vegas report, this would have been in there and this does not seem something that I, I would forget. So yes, this is the lowest total we've seen from a team this year. They're down a ton of starters in the offensive line. Their third string quarterback, Allen Robinson is basically dust. Cooper Cup is gone. Tyler Higby's on the injury report this week. So like, you know, is Cam Akers going to be the guy? I, I, this is just going to be a mess, I think, for the Rams. So, yes, I think they cover. And I know we're talking about a game stack. I might not play a Ram, man. I don't think you need one. Yeah, it's one of the situations where you're searching for, you know, the last touchdown that Allen Robinson gets at the end. But we've done enough data, enough research. We did on the main show earlier this year that in these kind of double-digit underdog situations, the opposing side is bad. I mean, they average 182 passing yards per game. If you if that's getting distributed, 182 passing yards between, you know, your boy Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek, Tutu Atwell, Brandon Powell, like Kyron Williams, like I just don't think you have to have anyone. It, it could work. So if you are stacking the Chiefs' side, are you, you, you're saying I need three guys and they put up 35-plus points. Well, real quick before we move on for that, I just want to say about Bryce Perkins, the guy can run a little bit. Like if you played any preseason DFS uh, like me, you know that he has that in his uh, skill set. So we know rushing quarterbacks generally have a lower passing ceiling. So it's just more of an argument, I think, against Robinson and those guys. But in terms of the Chiefs side, if you want three, um, you know, if you're playing Mahomes, I think you are going to double stack him because we know that he can run, but most of his ceiling is coming from three touchdown games. And so what you're saying is like, Kelsey gets one or two, and then maybe it's Juju or a cheap dart throw like Justin Watson or someone like that because there are a lot of injuries here. Um, Juju is in concussion protocol as of now, back-to-back full practices, so I think he plays. And then you're talking about Kadarius Tony with the hamstring, not going to play Wednesday and Thursday. It was a DNP. So I think it's going to be a rotation of like MVS on the perimeter with Justin Watson and Sky Moore just kind of mixing in. Um, Both those guys are insanely cheap, so I think they're dart throws for tournaments, but it's very clean, in my opinion, where the ball should go with Juju and Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes is playing out of his mind 
especially inside the red zone. He's on pace for 39 red zone passing touchdowns, which would be the most all time. And I think that with Mahomes, yeah, you just need to find what the other piece is in this game that you want to attach between him and Kelsey. Like that's, I'm not trying to get cute. I think Pacheco could, you know, get in the end zone, but I don't think Pacheco has the upside. He has three receptions on the whole year. So in on DraftKings, it just doesn't it doesn't get me there to say I want to have Pacheco, Mahomes, and Kelsey. I'll just figure out what the other receiver is. Yeah, and to to your point, you know, talking about the running backs, like it's very clear how they're using these guys. I mean, Ceh is on IR, so Pacheco, maybe Ronald Jones will be active this week, but Pacheco should get a ton of work in the on the ground game. And then McKinnon is always in in passing down situations. It's just that you know McKinnon probably won't be used as much if they're up by two, three touchdowns in this spot. So I think Pacheco is fine as just a one-off. If you think that he can just, uh, you know, maintain his efficiency, he's been really good since he took over as the lead back. And we know if they're up by three scores in the fourth quarter, he should be getting the ball. So he's fine. I think you play this in one of two ways. You just play Pacheco and you move on with the Chiefs D maybe or something like that, or you go uh, the Mahomes double stack. I like Justin Watson, but I've also always been a very biased, biased person Jason and I just like, yeah, Jason and I have (laughs) secretly, well, the reason why that always comes up on the show is because in a dynasty startup draft, I picked him with like my last pick and Jason was so furious after 25 rounds that that was the pick that got him, that just set him off and it was Justin Watson. So he, he will always be in my heart at, especially at 3k. I mean, if you want to shoot, and Mahomes likes him too. Like he, he gets targets when he's out there. He's a likable guy. He's, you know, university of Penn. All-time leading receiver. And that's what, that's throwing it back. What a week, dude. No, listen. Everyone's sleeping after Thanksgiving. Meanwhile, we're all in on Justin Justin Watson and GPPs. I mean, how could you not win a million dollars this weekend? The thing that people don't realize is that while everyone else was eating, you and I were just grinding the tape of Lawrence Cager and you know <laughs> Tanner Hudson and Chris Myrick and other Giants tight ends just to get that edge. Oh, that's right. Did uh, how did Cager do yesterday? I don't even. I didn't watch much of the second He's, half. We were driving. He started off with a with a uh, one for twenty in the very beginning. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so smart, Lawrence Cager." But uh, I think he ended up with one for twenty. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Two targets, one catch, twenty yards. Hey, that's huge. That's huge for the yards per catch, folks. Um, okay, for in this game, uh, give me your Vegas pick. Yeah, Chiefs minus fifteen and a half. I mean. This is going to look silly. We, we both just took, uh, what, the Dolphins <laughs> and the Chiefs to lay the points, but I'm going to do it. I don't think the Rams can get it done. I will also take the Chiefs because I know it's 15 and a half, but I, Bryce Perkins is, he's P.J. Walker. If you knew P.J. Walker was starting against you, you are saying that, hey, this is, this is going to be an onslaught. So that's what you're getting here. All right, before we get into our props, it's, it's time for Slate Breakers, and I'm back home. So I have actually been like through it with all the nostalgia, like all of it. And I found something that I know this will just be for me, but, and I've always been a big fan, but man, I wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't anything cooler that I found at home than the sponsor this week for our slate breakers. It's my 1988 Ninja Turtles bandana that man, when I wore that thing as a kid, I was cool. I'll, you know, I'll, maybe I'll put it on later and tweet out a picture. What color? Oh, it was all orange and the writing was white. Yeah, so, there you go, man. 
Truman, my son, he's he's a Michelangelo guy, and I ask him every time. He says, because he's a party dude. That's why. Um, Love it. I was, I was a Leonardo guy, but maybe it's a little bit of my type A. Who are you? Yeah. Yeah, no, Michelangelo for sure. Okay, I think most people, and then I think people that are like too cool for school are like, oh, I was a Donatello guy, and then people like Mike Wright were Raphael just because they were mad at 100%, the whole 100%. 100%. I could see that being Mike Wright. I wonder if there's like some crossover between like Raphael people and people that like in middle school just listen to like hardcore punk rock and like emo music. <laughs> Sounds like a good off-season uh, research project for us. That would be. I mean, like there's a lot of like research and like personality types, Myers-Briggs, you know, like the disc assessment, like all these different things. But like I feel like Ninja Turtle might be a more revealing thing about someone's personality. Yeah, that says it all. All right, Bets. You've got two slate breakers here and – I think it's fine because yours is a kind of an injury related caveat. Well, not necessarily injury, more just weather. So I am over the moon about Mark Andrews this week, 6,500 in Jacksonville. looks like there's some thunderstorms in the uh, forecast as of Friday. Not really too concerned unless it's just insane. So monitor this over the weekend, but let's assume things are good to go. I know Lamar was Mike's start of the week on the Megalodon show. So let's pair him with Mark Andrews taking on a Jacksonville defense that is 32nd, a.k.a. dead last, in DVOA to opposing tight ends. They're allowing the uh, the 11th most uh, yards to the position. And, you know, the last few weeks have been kind of rough, like in and out of the lineup, injured. He's off the injury report. And, oh, by the way, Demarcus Robinson was added to the injury report on Thursday with a hip issue. If he's limited or out, I know this is silly to say, but that matters for Mark Andrews because there's no one else to catch passes. He could go bonkers and because people want to pay down frost and row i love the idea of flipping the build this week and trying to get up to mark andrews at 6500 on DraftKings. i'm just gonna say it is derrick henry i think that he is slowly slipping in the minds of people they're forgetting about him and we know what time of the year it is but also uh i do love the Bengals side i think it can be a back and forth affair and this could be a game where henry gets 30 carries uh between two teams that are fighting for you know, seeding in the AFC playoffs. Uh, Tennessee ranks sixth in adjusted line yards, while Cincinnati's defensive line ranks 20th. I don't mind going overweight Henry on a week that I think people will be paying elsewhere. So consider me overweight after the last couple of days and overweight on Derrick Henry. You like Love what it. I did there? Everyone's overweight this time of year. Better, let's just keep it going with Derrick Henry. No, I love him in this spot as well. It's a, it's a good uh, matchup for him. And like you said, 30 carries 25 is like the floor right now so yeah you could definitely see more than 30 and and he should go off so love it my other one real quick just wanted to point out again for everyone terry mclaurin at 5800 i do not care if he's going to be popular is my slate breaker last year when these two teams played the guy didn't just have a good game we've been waiting for this terry mclaurin explosion game it is coming this week last year it was six for 123 and two against atlanta i could see that again in this spot so give me terry mclaurin and mark andrews as my slate breakers All right, let's finish this off. Prop it like it's hot. Every week, we get to give some of our props in the DFS pass. And just to toot the horn of bets over here, we've been on a hot streak. And to the point of, you know, over the last three or four weeks, like people have been winning some heavy cash just from just playing simple plays. We like to talk about player props as... It's just an extension of what you're already doing in your home leagues. You're already looking at players. You're already looking at projections. So we think there can be an edge. We'll give you a couple here. 
So why don't you start us off with the first one, Betts? Yeah, we just talked about this guy, so let's not you know let's not you know go into more detail than we need to. But I'm taking Terry McLaurin over 60 and a half yards. This is minus 120 on DraftKings, minus 110 on BetMGM. Better odds there. He's been over this in three of his five starts with Heineke. The only two times he did not get there, 55 and 56 yards. So he's essentially sailing over this mark or right at it. And the one time was last week when he was going over the mark. I thought he was going to. And then he got game scripted out. They were up by a couple scores. They didn't need to throw. This spread is tight between Atlanta and Washington. So I think he remains in play all four quarters. Terry McLaurin over 60 and a half. My second play, and this is only if Debo Samuel is active, because if Debo Samuel, who's on the injury report with the hamstring issue, for some reason doesn't play, the splits for George Kittle get a lot better. But if Debo is in, I'm taking George Kittle under 45 and a half receiving yards. The Saints are number one in DVOA to opposing tight ends. They've allowed one tight end to go over this line all year. That was Noah Fant for 49 yards. So they're not giving it up. And we know, you know, George Kittle is a guy that we love for DFS because he has those massive weeks, but he also has those four weeks of two targets for two catches and 19 yards. So yeah, give me the under if Debo Samuel is in. They're nine and a half point favorites. Should see a lot of rushing attempts for the 49ers in this spot. I will be talking about my boy, Antonio Gibson. You laughed, Betts. We, every, the field laughed in the summer when I said, hey, in best ball, he's actually going to be a, a good pick. Everyone was talking about Brian Robinson. Week three, you were just shaking in your boots, but look at us now, Kyle. I had never a doubt. <laughs> look at us now. <laughs> uh, here's the thing about Antonio Gibson. He's been solid, not great, but solid for what he's done. And since week four, here are his reception totals. Stay with me, people. Three, three. Three, three, seven, two, three, three. So what do you think his reception line is at? Based off those numbers, I would probably put it at three and a half. It is at two and a half. So I will take the over on Antonio Gibson against the Falcons over two and a half. It's at only minus 105 right now. And I think our projections have around there like 3.6, 3.7. So I think there's still some value there. And the Falcons... Trust me, as a Falcons fan, they give it up to pass-catching running backs. J.D. McKissick is on IR, neck injury. Brian Robinson, they just don't use him as pass-catcher. My boy Antonio Gibson, I think he can get two, three receptions. And maybe it's a close game. Last year it was a barn burner uh, where Washington won 34-30, thanks to your boy Terry McLaurin, um, who went bananas. So, yes, I love that prop that you mentioned earlier, and I think it's going to be a good game there as well. All right. If you want to play with us, you can go to BallersDFS.com, be a part of our DraftKings League. I know some of you got to be a part of the Bets Grandma's Casserole Meal, and uh, the rest of you guys were a part of the uh, Big Boy Thanksgiving Special. So there's some good contests that we had on DraftKings. If you want to go to BallersDFS.com, we will open some more for this weekend, maybe a Battle of the Borg, maybe a Battle of the Bets. All I know is you and I haven't really been getting that money back. Nope. Yeah, you guys are taking our money, and I'm not a huge fan of it, by the way. Um, I did not have a great Thanksgiving slate in those contests. Thanks a lot to all of you for being too smart at this game. But we love playing with you. So get in the contest, join the league, and, um, you know, be nice to us this weekend. Come on, it's a holiday. Yeah, I come on. Bets, sign us off. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend, man. I think this is the slate that if you're plugged in, you can have a lot of success. So best of luck to everyone out there on the main slate. We're back on Tuesday. Just look forward to week 13. Best of luck. Go win a million zillion dollars this weekend. Bye.
Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.